Hey, this is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream, Refuge Recovery, and Dharma Punks. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Dharma. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes. May our paths cross soon. Welcome, everyone. Anyone here for the first time tonight? Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome back. Welcome to anybody joining us on Zoom for the first time. Welcome back to everyone else. Tonight's topic um, for the meditation instructions and the talk and this um, literature that we'll look at um, is the third foundation of mindfulness. Mindfulness is a familiar term to everybody. Many of you have been practicing it for many, many years, but there's four different levels or foundations that the Buddha taught about how to be mindful and what to be mindful of. And tonight's topic is the third foundation, which uh, is the mind, our, our brains, so how to bring mindfulness to uh, what your brain is doing, what, your, what kind of thoughts are arising, what kind of uh, attitude the mind has, whether the mind is experiencing wisdom or ignorance. Um, uh, and, and for many people, um, it's, it's one of the things that really sets Buddhist meditation apart and mindfulness apart from a lot of other meditations. Uh, in Buddhism, we talk about there's two types of meditation. There's concentration meditations. And concentration meditations are often uh, all of the practices where you're ignoring your mind, like, like um, repeating a mantra. And you're just like filling your mind with these words. And that way you're uh, kind of ignoring what your mind is up to by concentrating it on this phrase, on this mantra. Or even the basic you know, initial instructions that we've been talking about and that we often start the practice with of mindfulness of the breath. Uh, again, concentrating your attention on the sensations of your breathing, ignoring your mind. So in the beginning, we learn to concentrate and then uh, explore, investigate the body. Last week, we talked about the feeling tone, what is our experience, what's per being perceived as pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. And then the, the third level, we're going to talk about tonight is um, what's your mind up to and bringing present time, non-judgmental, kind awareness to the thoughts, thoughts and emotions. You know, sometimes there's this sort of like split between the head and the heart from a Buddhist psychological perspective. Uh, emotions are mind states. They're not separate. It's not like the heart experiences your emotions like we like to talk about it sometimes. Um, the brain creates emotions. The body and the brain are so interconnected that, of course, we have that center channel where we feel love in our hearts or sorrow or anger. You know, we feel it in our bodies and we, we, we call it a heart thing. But, of course, it's not the cardiac muscle. It's that sort of center channel in your throat and in your sternum and that, you know, kind of center part of the body where we experience emotions. But the buddhist psychological perspective is that uh, the mind is the is what's giving birth to emotions your body is experiencing but it's it's a mind state it's a it's a thought 
Anger is a thought. Love is a thought. Um, emotions are processed by our, by our brains. So the third foundation, and what we're, you know, we'll talk about it more and we'll meditate and we'll, I'll give some guided meditation. But I love to start class by asking you to talk to each other and I'm trying to think of a creative way for you to talk about your mind. It's a little awkward, like, to, like let me talk to you about my mind. Um, I think I did this a few weeks ago and I said, like, what's your relationship like with your mind? And it's a good, you know, good maybe to reflect on like how, how much do you believe your thoughts? You know, like if you're brand new to meditation, it's okay to admit that like 99% of the time you believe what your mind is telling you. Over the years of meditation, you start to get some discernment and some uh, space between identification and what is happening, the thoughts, and you start to see like, oh, you know, half of my thoughts are trustworthy and half are not trustworthy at all. And you start to develop that, that skill. I don't know if it was here on a retreat or it might've even been in a recovery meeting. I heard somebody talk about, um, I think it was on a retreat and he said he was meditating and then K-fuck radio just comes on in his head. And, and I, I was just like, oh, that's such a great way to talk about how like, you're just sitting here trying to be present. And then your mind just, just like, I don't, you know, this fucking K-fuck radio. Uh, just judgment and resentment and craving and whatever your mind is up to. And it just, uh, I didn't turn that channel on, but it's on. And um, I don't know if there's a way for you to talk about, I was trying to think of like, if your mind played music, what kind of music does your mind like to play most? Are you like super Morrissey? kind of sad, suicidal thoughts, tendencies? Uh, are you kind of like, are you, is your mind kind of poppy? Is it, you know, like, um, is your mind super, you know, has a, what, what radio, like what is, what's the tendency of your mind these days? Um, if you've been practicing for any time, you probably see like, oh, it used to be really quite abusive and, uh, you know, kind of unpleasant in my mind. And over the years, it's actually uh, become much more, uh, you know, gentle and, you know, not as, you know, it's not death metal 24 seven anymore. It's not, um, you know, there's, there's some love songs coming through. <laughs> Barry White is just crooning in there sometimes or, um, so what do you know about what, what's your mind like, you know, talking to each other? And again, in these small breakouts, some of it's to talk about it. Some of it's just to meet each other. Some of this exercise is just to connect with other people in the room. Because in a Buddhist meditation group, you don't ever meet each other if you don't, you know, if I don't make you talk to each other. <laughs> so I do that every week. And um, I don't know trying to think of like it's too much like you can't say like well my mind is always hip-hop or my mind is always punk rock or my mind is always the blues you know it's because there's so many channels but what's the tendency of your mind to 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 play is it like k judgment comparing 
you know, insecurity uh, podcast is on all of the time. Okay. The I'm not enough podcast is playing, all, you know, that's its main tendency or. Um, I don't know, is that like a movie that could like, it's like, it's a horror film in your mind most of the time? Or is it a fantasy sort of rom-com, an action film? You know, I don't know, I'm just trying to give you some ways to, creative ways to talk about what it is like to live with your brain and that shit you have to listen to all day, every day. And that we all pretend like, I'm fine. <laughs> My dad, who was also a meditation teacher, used to say, um, you know, what if there was a invention where you could put on some sort of helmet that broadcast your thoughts? Could you imagine if we actually could hear what was going on inside of each other? And could you imagine how fucking embarrassing it would be if everyone else could actually hear what our minds are doing? Uh, if we could actually, in some ways, it would probably be a wonderful, for a sangha like us, it would be a wonderful way to normalize how fucking crazy we are, all of our minds are, and how inappropriate, and how judgmental, and how lustful, and how, you know, comparing, and all of that stuff the human mind is, and then we can just be like, oh, okay, I'm not alone, your mind does that too, cool. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm over here taking it personal, thinking like I'm the only comparing, judging, lusting, afraid, you know, because I have to live with this. And I pretend like, nope, I'm fine. Everybody's pretending like I'm, I'm fine. I'm not thinking inappropriate things right now. I'm very spiritual. It's all, it's all cool, you know, smooth jazz in here. <laughs> I know I'm terrible at giving you topics, but talk to each other and you talk to each other for like a minute or so, and then you pass it. And then the next person talk to that person. Let, and so you go around groups of three or four, um, talk to each other about your minds for a little bit, and then we'll meditate. Breakout rooms coming. So here's as uh, close to what the Buddha actually said about this practice as we can get from the Pali Canon, the oldest recorded Buddhist teachings. He says, uh, how does one dwell contemplating the mind in the mind? Here, one understands a mind with lust as a mind with lust. Just a really simple, straightforward, when your mind is lust, the term lust is used for all craving, maybe even all desire. Like we, we tend to have a connotation with lust as the sexual intense feeling, but they're just you know using the term lust as the wanting mind. When your mind is desiring, is craving, is lusting, you know it. Oh, yeah, that, what's happening in my mind? Craving again big surprise, but being aware of, oh, this is the mind lusting, craving. And then when your mind is free, the second instruction, and a mind uh, without lust as a mind without lust. So being able to turn towards your mind and be like, actually, 
No desire right now. No craving, no lust. As I look at my mind state, I'm not in that planning, craving, lusting mind right now. That's not. And so the absence of it, which maybe uh, has some connotations of serenity, free from lust, at ease, free from craving, uh, some uh, contentment. The mind is content right now. I'm not thinking I need something else. We don't get that experience all that often, right? <laughs> often it's the mind saying, I, I, this is pretty good, but I know I can make it better. Like well, just lusting. Right? Is, this is pretty good, but you know, more hot sauce, more salt, uh, you know, but more something would make it better. He understands, uh, one understands a mind with hatred as a mind with hatred and a mind without hatred as a mind without hatred. So these first two um, that it feels like, you know, so much of our lives go between and so much of what's happening in our mind is wanting mind and aversive. Hatred being all of the levels of, I don't want this to be happening. I, I, I'm cold. I'm aversive. What's happening right here? My mind is hating being too hot, being too cold, being uncomfortable, being anxious, being lonely, being, you know, whatever emotion is there. And then there's hatred towards it. There's, I don't want to feel this. Anytime you're saying, I don't want, it's in this category. Hatred, again, lust and hatred seem so extreme as terms, but there's all of the levels. There is the extreme, I fucking hate. And then there's just the like, I really am having a hard time tolerating. I'm just annoyed. Annoyance is also hatred <laughs> from this perspective, right? It's aversion, all of the faces, all of the levels of being averse, resistant to what we're experiencing. And knowing that, oh, my mind, resisting aversive, hating. A mind with, now this is one of the hardest instructions, maybe even impossible instruction, but not. One knows a mind with delusion as a mind with delusion, and a mind without delusion as a mind without delusion. Now, the problem in my opinion, my perspective with this instruction is that when you're deluded, by definition, you don't fucking know it. <laughs> right? So it's really hard to be like, wow, my mind's really delusional. Right? Now, I'm, uh, I'm being self-centered and it's just delusional. When you're being self-centered, you're just so in that delusion, you're believing it. But sometimes you get that mindful sort of it feels like sort of a distance, a little bit of space from it, where you're like, wow, my mind's being really uh, confused and delusional. And, and I don't believe it. Don't always believe it. You know, one of the next level of instruction here is there's two, two pieces for the mind. One is the content. So these first instructions, the Buddha is saying, know the content, what's your mind up to? Is it craving? Is it aversive? Is it delusional? Now, the next piece is understand the process of mind. All thoughts, all things are impermanent. Everything that arises passes, arising and passing, arising and passing. Now, anytime your mind is saying, this isn't going to get better, you can just classify that. Delusion, 
And how often does our mind say that? We forget the wisdom of whatever is happening is going to change. But when we're in those strong emotions, when we're in those difficult situations, we get that like, it's going to be like this forever. I will never be happy again. <laughs> I will never find what I'm looking for. I will never. And so anytime there's that sort of always or never kind of going along with our thoughts, you could just say, oh, my mind is filled with delusion right now. Not only am I experiencing an afflictive emotion, I'm meeting that afflictive emotion with delusion, with creating permanence out of something that is impermanent. So that's part of the way to do that. Uh, the next two instructions are, uh, one understands a contracted mind as contracted and a distracted mind as distracted. So you ever feel like when you're just uptight, contracted, just fucking stressed, contracted, just small, you're not seeing the big picture, you're just myopic, contracted, and knowing like, oh, wow, my mind is really fucking tight right now. Fear does that to us often, really contract um, or distracted where you're just like trying to read the paragraph over and over and you just can't quite stay present for the conversation or the task at hand or the just um, all just, you know, and not just because you have attention deficit disorder, but because even even in ADD, there's levels of presence and distraction. But knowing like well, my mind's just kind of distracted right now. One of the things I love about these first instructions here, and I love that, that Buddhism gives us this, all of it as non-judgmental present time awareness. So often people bring to meditation this idea that I'm going to meditate and I'm going to still my mind. Everything's going to be tranquil and quiet, and that's a good meditation. Now, the Buddha is saying a good meditation is when you're aware of your hatred. And you're sitting here watching your mind hate. And you're watching your mind lust. And you're watching your mind be delusional about the nature of impermanence. That's a good, like, wow, I was really aware of how distracted my mind. Rather than it's a good meditation when I'm focused, this instruction says, be present and be aware how distracted the mind is. Not it's only, you know, you have to always be fully concentrated. Sometimes you're just mindful of how distracted, how contracted, how lustful, how angry, how self-centered the mind is being. And that's a good meditation. I was aware of how much hatred was here rather than it's only good when I'm aware of the love. When there's an absence of hatred, there's an absence of lust or there's an absence of distraction. I'm not totally sure what these next instructions mean. I used to know, but I forgot. That's like a humble brag. It's like I used to, but I forgot. One understands an exalted mind as exalted. An unexalted mind as unexalted, understands a surpassable mind as surpassable, an unsurpassable mind as unsurpassable. I don't, I forget what exalted and unsurpassable and unsurpassable mean. Does anybody know? Jeff, do you know? Exalted, like worshiped. Uh, there's a specific definition. There's a Buddhist definition of this, and I just, I'm just blanking on exactly what it means to be exalted or not exalted. It's not, it's not worshiped, I don't think. So. Anyways, doesn't matter. Just these different mind states. 
goes on to say understands a concentrated mind as concentrated so in mindfulness sometimes you're aware like oh i'm quite concentrated i'm really focused and you're aware of that oh the mind is quite concentrated and, you know and sometimes oh mind's quite distracted need not there's no sort of hierarchy uh in mindfulness just being aware of what's happening oh sometimes i'm quite concentrated sometimes quite distracted or contracted understand last two instructions understands a liberated mind as liberated understands an unliberated mind as unliberated so maybe that second that last instruction here is like most of the time we, if you just have the humility to be like looking at my mind not liberated <laughs> yet right not not liberated any anytime there's clinging anytime there's that you know thought that says i would be happy if uh, anytime that there's uh taking it personal identification i me mine clinging self-centeredness not liberated um resentment anger you know uh being identified you know the it's it's not the um mind state it's how identified with it we are when because you know you could be non-judgmentally aware of anger but just watching it arise and pass through your mind but when we're i am angry that's a, a not liberated i'm taking it personal rather than just being present with emotion arising and passing which is the last instruction in this way one dwells contemplating a uh, mind contemplating mind in mind internally or contemplating mind in in mind externally again i don't know what that means i don't know what it means to contemplate the mind externally it feels so internal but i'm sure there's a theoretical explanation for that dwells contemplating the mind both internally and externally or dwells contemplating the mind in its nature of arising or dwells contemplating the mind in its nature of vanishing or dwells contemplating in mind its nature of both arising and passing arising and vanishing so that uh instruction on whatever we're paying attention to whether it's lust hatred delusion contraction concentration exalted whatever we're paying attention to knowing that it is arising and passing that it is a process that's unfolding the, the process of it now this last instruction those of you who've been coming the last few weeks this last instruction it's a refrain that is in every aspect of the mindfulness teaching and the, this final sort of uh instruction which oh after every piece it says or else one dwells or else mindfulness that there is a mind is simply established to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and repeated mindfulness and one dwells independent not clinging to anything in the world so there's always that you either pay attention to your body or you just know there's a body you pay attention to the feeling tones or you just know there's feeling tones you pay attention to the mind or you just know there's a mind and dwell independent not clinging to anything in this world so there's all of the instructions specifics and then there's always that last refrain that says we're just let go <laughs> if you just you know just just don't be so attached don't be so identified live independently not clinging to anything in the world there's your you know right uh, but because we can't do that yet we can't live not clinging to anything in the world we use the instructions to train our mind 
to see clearly, which helps us let go and not cling so much to anything in the world. So those are the actual instructions. A couple of pieces before we meditate that I find useful. The short answer? Of exalted? Yeah, exalted and uh, surpassable. Yeah, let's hear it. So short answer. Exalted is uh, like a calmness that comes through Brahma Viharas. Okay, or the extent of calmness. And then uh, surpassable as um, equanimity through concentration. So like the, like, the then, fourth, like the fourth jhana type of equanimity. And is there a definition of unsurpassable? Like all the others, the, the flip side of it. The, the flip side. Like, not not there there or not not, not constant not not yeah. equanimous yeah could you mostly hear that it's, it's an interesting you know and the you know jeff you know looked up the or, or remembered the um definition of like when you're sitting here and um the exalted is like oh my mind is quite like serene serene um a lot of calmness a, a loving presence is here in my mind being aware of that or there's a lot of equanimity in that surpassable or unsurpassable mind state. So also knowing um, in the next section, the Buddha will take us through the uh, seven factors of awakening. And my sense is that uh, in this third foundation, he's saying when you're experiencing some of those awakening factors, some joy, some equanimity, some tranquility, know that, be mindful, like, oh, this is a unsurpassable mind state, right? This is a positive emotion that has arisen. and watch it arise and sustain and pass be present with it know that's what's happening so the buddha's instruction is quite straightforward what's happening in your mind know it when it's greed know it when it's know it but it's hard in meditation to actually get that relationship because we're so identified with it a couple of images that were helpful for me and in early practice learning to do this and continue to be useful i believe one is think about your mind as an open space space like awareness as an open open space and that the thoughts are like bubbles and you know like the cartoons where there's the person and there's the thought bubbles so think of your you know brain like that like my brain uh, gives birth to these thought bubbles and then in meditation, you try to observe like what kind of bubbles are, are, are you know, arising. Okay, there's a planning bubble and there's a remembering bubble and there's, oh, there's some lust. Okay, that's interesting. I can watch the, the craving mind or there's the comparing. Oh, that just, where'd that come from? I'm comparing myself. Everyone else is better at meditating than me or whatever the mind is doing. Uh, or there's anger, some, you know, something happens and some resentment and watching that bubble, a resentment bubble. Does that make sense? So the, the thought bubbles. The other image, now with the bubbles, there's an, uh, uh, this tendency when you're mindful of your mind, there's a, the Buddhist word is papancha, and it translates as the mind's tendency to proliferate, which is like free associate. Well, you're just sitting here and maybe, you know, the thought either comes out of nowhere or something, some sensation triggers a memory or a sound triggers a memory. It just comes out of nowhere. And you think of 
yeah, think of like, I, I just got back from San Francisco. So I'm sitting here and my mind thinks of San Francisco. And then all of a sudden San Francisco leads to uh, what, you know, kind of, oh, the nineties when I lived there and, you know, kind of, oh, that apartment, that relationship that I was in, in the nineties. And, and all of these thoughts like San Francisco proliferated into now i'm like arguing with this girlfriend from 25 years ago remembering how painful that was um because the mind proliferated so it's like there's that thought bubble and you see it and it's like san francisco and then it gives birth to oh that apartment and i that and i was doing that and i was in that relationship and all of those bubbles just sort of like giving birth to each other proliferating and sometimes when you're quite present, somewhat concentrated, you can just watch the mind free associate and be like, I'm not intentionally thinking about this stuff. The mind is just thinking about it all by itself. Does that make sense? And you start to see the difference between volitional and non-volitional thought. In meditation, you're, you sit down and you say, I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to think about anything. I'm not going to volitionally sit here and plan or remember. But as I sit here and try to be present, my mind's gonna still plan and remember. I'm not volitionally, intentionally thinking about the past, but my mind's reminding me about why I should be mad about an argument I lost 25 years ago. <laughs> right? Just all by itself, it just does it. The other image is you think of in meditation that you're sitting next to railroad tracks. And um, you just get that, that sense of like, okay, I'm here, I'm present. And your mind is a um, train uh, um, with um, you know, all of the different sections of the train, the boxcars. And you're sitting here and you're just watching what passes through. You, you know, you awareness, you are awareness. And then the mind is, oh, there's a plan in that boxcar and just let it go, planning, planning planning, remembering, remembering, even the proliferation of like San Francisco, that apartment, that relationship, that passing by, passing by, passing by. Identifying the process of the impermanent nature of passing by and with some awareness of like, oh, that's, that boxcar is lust, that is anger, that is fear, that is comparing, that is judging, that is you know, that boxcar that's saying like, hey, I'm going to be like this forever. Oh, that's delusional. Okay. Delusion is, is present in the mind. And sometimes you'll get that, um, get quite good at watching, the, you know, in this third foundation practice, observing, knowing the mind and the boxcars are going by. And then um, this was a teaching also that came from my father. He said, and then sometimes, um, there's the exploding boxcar trick where you're just meditating and you're like, I'm just watching my mind. And then your mind says, wait, you, stop, think. This is really fucking important. You really need to rehash that argument you had 25 years ago because now you could probably win it. And you so say you should spend like five or 10 minutes rehashing it and thinking about it and feeling emotions about it and you know feeling angry feeling sad feeling ashamed and it's it's important and you're like and you just get hooked and you're like in the box car you've train hopped and it's just like i got fucking 
caught in that thought. And then you, you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm meditating. That was fucking 1992. What am I, where am I? <laughs> uh, and you get off, you know, any, anytime we find ourselves train hopping, get off, come back, sitting on that bench at the station. Station is the present. All of those thoughts are passing through the present. But when we get on and we go for a ride, we're no longer present. Get off. Come back to here. Come back to observing, being aware. These are just thoughts passing by. I don't need to engage with them in that way right now. So two images that are helpful, and I'll put some of those in the guided meditation. Before we meditate, any questions about the theoretical framework of mindfulness of the mind states and the process. If anything at home or in the room. Okay. I'm, I'm asking when you're going through this, are you just Is it like you have a mental notepad? You're just like, that was it. That was, and then if you're clinging to it, like if you have an exploding box car, you're like, ah, there's some aversion or there's some clinging or some mm -hmm. whatever. And you try to, I mean. It's a good, good question, Ramage is asking, like, um, with the technique, how much labeling? How much noting or naming it or actually giving a, a word, a, a label uh, uh, to it. Um, in the beginning, I think it's quite useful to name it. Craving, aversion, comparing, judging. Name what the mind is doing. Just give it that label. Okay, that whether you're, it's a thought bubble, oh, comparing mind bubble or, you know, judging boxcar. Later, um, at some point, you might find that the labels are unnecessary and a little bit cumbersome or kind of like an, an almost an intrusive thought when you're like sitting here observing the mind because you know it. The way that the Buddha says is, you know, how, how, however they translate it is uh, one knows, understands a mind with lust, understands uh, a mind with hatred, uh, understands a mind with delusion. So understanding, sometimes that's translated as knowing. So when you know it, you don't have to label it. Getting to know it, the sticky notes are helpful. As a, you know, when we're studying our mind tendencies, those this is lust, this is anger, this is comparing, this is delusion, helpful. Later, it's like, oh, I don't need the word for it because I just know that that's what's happening here. So to complicate it a little bit further for you, as you remember last week, and you know, even if you weren't here last week, I talk about this a lot. It's a core part of the Buddhist teaching. Everything that we experience um, has a feeling tone. Every thought has a feeling tone. So uh, when it's one of those first three, uh, lust, hatred, or delusion, or lust or hatred, on some level, unpleasant, 
if you're really you know paying attention craving and clinging and lusting is actually unpleasant hating aversion of being annoyed is actually unpleasant now some of those other the exalted or the surpassable when you're feeling serene when you're feeling loving when you're feeling kind generous uh you know content uh pleasant and some of the stuff that's happening some of the boxcars that are going by neither pleasant nor unpleasant neutral ne neutral mind chatter everything that the mind is doing is impermanent is um not completely impersonal but there's not a permanent self doing it a lot of it is conditioned phenomena generated by our life's experience it's not you it's just the habit of the mind it's not personal um, and none of it is uh, permanently reliable or a source of happiness you can't think your way towards happiness the thoughts are too impermanent so it does complicate it a little bit because we're being asked what's happening right now and what's the feeling tone of it <clears throat> So in the beginning, maybe you just want to label the mind state. And then after you get good at being intimate and, and knowing your mind, then it's like, oh, craving and it's quite unpleasant. Oh, hatred and it's quite unpleasant. Oh, feelings of forgiveness and, and letting go. Oh, it feels quite pleasant to be letting go, to be relinquishing, to be releasing. Quite pleasant. So let's meditate for a bit and then we'll have some more discussion. present time, non-judgmental, kind, awareness. Well, we investigate what's happening in the present. The first foundation directs us to awareness of the body, feeling the sensory experience of sitting, the sensations that the breath creates. Spending the first couple of minutes in the first foundation, just feeling your breath, letting the thoughts be in the background. Feeling your body.
Opening to the second foundation, feeling tone. First in the body, where what is pleasant, what is unpleasant, what is neutral. Sensation of sitting, of breathing. What kind of emotions are present in the body? Is there anxiousness or restlessness? Or is the heart serene, calm? Opening to the third foundation, to the mind, as we've been discussing. Experiment with trying to observe the train of thoughts. Just chilling by the tracks. Or perhaps the open spaciousness of the mind where bubbles, thoughts, uh, bubbles arise is a better image for you. If either of these work, they're yours to experiment with or just awareness, receiving thought, understanding when craving is present or aversion. Not trying to stop the mind from thinking. Becoming curious, interested. And what the mind is up to. What radio station is playing tonight.
Find naming what your mind is up to. Sometimes it's just general labels like planning, remembering. Sometimes it's more clear that this is a craving-based plan. It's a hope. Some version of lust for a certain outcome. Or this planning mind is actually worrying. There's a planning, but there's a, an aversive quality to the future. Worrying something unpleasant might happen. We might not get something we want. We might lose something we want to keep. You might find that you're a bit more involved in the thoughts than you'd like to be. That's okay. Just let the mind think. Naming the content when you can, remembering, reminiscing, resenting, fantasizing. Sometimes it's quite Obvious, oh, this is quite delusional, these thoughts. And sometimes we're so delusional that we're believing the lies that our minds are telling us.
thoughts arising and passing. And if you can get a sense that the awareness is so much bigger than the bubbles, the space in which the thoughts are passing through, consciousness, awareness. If you can get a sense of sitting next to the train track rather than being so hyper-focused on the trains, get a bigger view of the space which the thoughts are passing through, the landscape. Allowing awareness to become bigger and bigger, as big as the whole body, bigger than the contents of the mind. Sounds arising and passing, sensations, thoughts and emotions coming and going through awareness, which is unperturbed even by anger or fear. The awareness itself is undisturbed by the contents of the thoughts. It's non-judgmental awareness. It's that which understands the impermanent nature of all things.
as you observe the mind in this way, it can be quite an interesting practice to volitionally put some thoughts into your mind, intentionally think something and then watch the rippling effects of that thought. So for the last few minutes tonight, using the very personal loving kindness phrase, saying in your mind to yourself, I love you. I have always loved you to yourself, to your mind, your heart, your body. I will always love you. Just saying that a couple times. I love you. I have always loved you. I will always love you. And then observing what emotions are generated, what thoughts, feelings. Whether the mind resists these phrases, judges them, rejects them, or the mind, the heart appreciates them. I love you. I have always loved you. I will always love you to yourself. What's the feeling tone? One of these phrases in the heart, mind. This is a very central part of why Buddhist meditation, mindfulness um, works and is trustworthy. I think this instruction, 
that um, there's not a perspective here that's saying you're going to meditate your way into being uh, free from afflictive emotions or uh, free from uh, a mind that, you know, judges and craves and compares and lusts, but that the actual technique is um, we'll be able to know what's happening, understanding like, oh, these are just resentful thoughts or these are just craving thoughts and i don't need to believe them i don't need to be so identified i don't i certainly don't need to obey the um we break our uh, addiction to our minds our identification with our minds by observing and getting to know get becoming intimate and uh, awake and aware to um both the process, the three characteristics, the impermanent nature, and, and you know, anytime our mind is telling us it's not going to pass, there's that part of you that knows this not, that's not true. It's going to pass. It's going to change. But often there is something, I don't know what it is, our survival instinct, something, and a tendency for the mind to say it's not going to get better. It's not going to pass. It's not going to. I also feel like if you can remember to, as you watch your mind, um, there's a, just a whole categories of untrustworthy thoughts where, um, you know, before meditation, maybe we just tend to believe m- most of what our mind says, but any, any thought of unworthiness um, that you're not worthy is a, your mind lying to you. So if you can just put, like every time your mind feels insecure, unworthy, unlovable, un- any, any shame, any shame that says, you know, not, not, you know, we have to make a distinction between regret or guilt, like when you've actually done something unskillful, you should feel some regret for that. But shame, which is that message that says, you're bad, <laughs> you're, you know, you're unlovable, you're, you know, there's something actually wrong with you. All of those thoughts of unworthiness, of shame, of just being able to go, oh, I'm awake, aware to my mind being confused. This is delusion. Every thought of unworthiness is delusion. Every thought of shame about who we are is a delusional thought. This is not wisdom. This is not truth. This is not a liberated mind state. This is a delusional conditioned tendency of my mind. And, and so just being, you know, and you have to be mindful of the third of this in order to catch it, in order to be able to have that little bit of space between what's happening and how we are responding, how we're relating to what's happening in the mind. You know, also, so it's not only, it's, you know, the Buddha starts with lust and hatred because those are how we i don't know seems like seems like if i look at my life that's how i create most of my suffering clinging craving that story that says i need something other than i need something to be happy i have to have it I can't just be happy as I am, as it is, as life is. It needs to be different. It needs to be more pleasant. It needs to be more, all of that lusting or the aversion that kind of, well, it's, this, is, this is not acceptable. 
just as it is, even if it's uncomfortable. Aversion to pain, aversion to boredom, aversion to our circumstances, pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. So my, I, I really appreciate how uh, the Buddha and Buddhism frames this practice, meditation practice, mindfulness meditation practice, as becoming aware of what is, rather than an idea of you're going to get somewhere. Mindful of the mind states when uh, there's a loving presence, and there's an equanimity, and there's a serenity, and being like, okay, and not really putting a lot of like, and that's the good meditation over awareness of anger and fear and resentment and oh that's what the mind is up to today it's rehashing some old shit again big surprise and being present with whatever the mind is doing and not not such a um the goal isn't about changing our minds as much as changing our relationship to our minds and we're never going to change our relationship to our minds if we don't turn our attention in this sort of investigative awareness of what's happening in our mind. If we're always meditating in a concentration-based ignoring of the mind, you're never going to get to know and get to not take personal your mind states. And meditation becomes this temporary, um, pleasant fix. I concentrate, I ignore my mind, I feel great while I'm meditating. Then I go about my day and I'm triggered by all kinds of shit and taking it all personal because I didn't learn, right? Like we're doing to be with difficult mind states and know, oh, this is just anger arising and passing. This is just fear arising and passing. Oh, delusion, unworthiness, delusion. There it is again. So a few minutes for discussion or any clarifications. Does it make sense? Um, are you using it? Is it part of your practice? Um, if you're brand new to meditation, it's okay to keep it simple and do the kind of breath awareness practices, but this is the teaching and breath awareness by itself will not lead to a liberated mind. In order to have a really liberated, free from identification, clinging, and, and we have to investigate the mind. And we've got to let some thought come in in meditation and say, like, yeah, my mind's thinking and I'm aware it's, they're just thoughts. If you have any questions, comments, anything at home, you can raise your hand in the reactions tab. Please, Ryan. Um, I don't know if it's your experience too, but like kind of like when I wake up or like I do a lot of most of my sitting in the morning I tend to wake up with a tendency or like an inclination like the mind has an inclination oh we're like we're planning today like that's kind of like what is the most like 80 percent of what's happening here or oh we're craving today or like hey we're you know in hatred today or like whatever it is and like at least for me, like just like that initial knowledge of that, it's kind of like allows me to kind of like not be so identified with everything that comes in front of it, just kind of like with the caveat of knowing that like, oh, you know, just kind of like let it 
do its thing with that initial wisdom of, hey, this is what we're doing today. I like it. It sounds useful, right? It's helpful to just be like, okay, I'm sitting here and my mind's doing a lot of planning and uh, I don't have to take it all. I don't have to believe it all. I can just watch the show. And, you know, sometimes we disengage from it and we come back to the breath and the body and then we open again to the thoughts and, yep, planning, worrying, whatever it's doing. It's interesting to see the different, um, you know, when you notice your mind planning, is it planning for a um, pleasant outcome, right? Is it lusting planning or is it aversive planning? Are you actually, is the mind worrying? You know, kind of sometimes the mind is planning and in the planning mind, it's like, it's all going to work out. It's going to be like, I have all these desires and I'm going to, it's going to happen. Or the mind is planning for the worst case scenario. It's worrying. Like, yeah, I've got all this stuff to do and I'm not going to be able to do it. And that's where the feeling tone also is so important. Of, uh, these are quite unpleasant. Worrying is quite unpleasant. Sometimes fantasizing and lusting is quite pleasant. It's great when my mind is telling me I'm going to get everything I want. <laughs> Quite pleasant to be in that delusion. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Remind me your name. I'm, I'm Gregory. Gregory. Yeah. Thank you. So in stuff like cognitive behavioral therapy or whatever, where you're training yourself to pay attention to your thoughts, there's this aspect of like disputing you know, you're, you're finding the delusional ones, but you're actually, you know, doing some work engaging. Is there any room for this, like, disputing? Uh, or, or, I mean, I understand the meditation is, like, pure just observation. Yeah. But just in this whole, you know, lifestyle, is there any room for like, disputing the delusional thoughts? I think so. I do. It's part of my practice. I haven't really learned or been trained in CBT, but I have heard enough about it that it sounds similar to, I, of course, it's mindfulness-based, you know, kind of the whole thing. But um, yeah, I, you know, and I even say sometimes, of like, yeah, sometimes just tell your mind, like, that's a lie. Defy the, you know, dispute uh the delusional tendencies of our mind and kind of now you don't want to get too adversarial with your mind um but there is a a place i don't know how they train you in cbt to do it but i do think that there's a place when we're trying to be aware and you know the buddha talks about when unwholesome thoughts arise he says there's four efforts one is you know it's it's that sort of awareness of like just to let it arise and pass and like if that's not working because it's so repetitive uh, he says sometimes try to replace it and maybe that's part of the disputing so like if you're in resentment and your mind's just rehat and you name it like okay anger or you know hatred or uh and you know if you can't just allow that you know the boxcar just keeps circling <laughs> the wagons whatever it is he says replace it you know bring uh, loving kindness into your mind bring you know in, in, intentionally start doing forgiveness meditation rather than just watching the anger you know repeat so there is a place, you know, and, you know, an antidote to, to hatred is bringing loving kindness, bringing compassion, bringing forgiveness. Um, and there's even in, the, in that list of efforts of how to deal with um, 
unwholesome thoughts. He says there's even a place for suppression sometimes if your mind is, uh, you know, not only disputing it in a sort of dialogue, but he says sometimes you have to clench your teeth, press your tongue to the roof of your mouth. He says, and it's just as a very strong person would take a weaker person by the shoulders and throw them to the ground. Sometimes you need to just throw that unwholesome thought out of your mind, which is this sort of suppression thought, you know. Uh, and I remember when I first heard that, I was like, oh, no, like meditation so much about just accepting what's here. And um, the way that I understand that is that most thoughts, you know, when you're just worrying or you're just, you know, craving, but, but if, if, if lust is going to turn into something that's going to cause harm, you're about to cheat on your partner, you know, and you're not able to just let it go or fucking throw that thought out of your mind. Like if you're, if it's just anger, um, you know, and you're just allowed to be, you're able to be with it, but if it's about to become violence and it's about to, you know, that anger is about to become, you know, karma action, then, you know, the Buddha is saying like, fucking clench your teeth and don't fucking do that. Do not obey that thought. You know, when your mind's telling you to, if you're in recovery and your mind's telling you to relapse, you know, and if you can just be like, oh, that's just craving thought. <laughs> and allowing it to arise and pass great right? and, and you, sometimes you will be there and you'll be able to just watch it arise, you know uh, arise and pass but if your mind is you know really saying like no you need to fucking go and smoke some crack like no i'm not gonna fucking go smoke some crack <laughs> fuck you mind go fuck yourself i'm not gonna go smoke some crack right now no matter how many times you suggest it not that that always works, you know, so often our mind is stronger and, you know, people end up, you know, this is sort of the gradual process of once you've been meditating and you've developed that wisdom and that, you know, you are able to defy your mind. But not in the beginning, you know, or early recovery and stuff like that, like, you're just too identified with it, the mind has more power in the beginning. Eric, please. Um. So you mentioned that, that the Buddha says that everything arises in the mind, like the emotions and stuff. Is that correct? Yeah. And it was also mentioned that the Buddha says there's no disconnection between the mind, the body, and the, mm -hmm. and the um, mind and the body, right? It's all one, right? And so like science is now saying the heart functions like your brain, right? And so... I mean, I don't even know if you have an answer for this. Like, does he, can emotions arise there as well? Or based on the Buddhist's, Buddhist teaching, it doesn't arise anywhere but in your, in, in your mind, right? And is there a meditation that's focused around the, the heart? Do you, um, and not just Eric, but everybody, do you feel like, you have emotions in your body, in your heart, um, that don't have a mental activity associated with them. And so is it a question? I mean, I, do you sometimes have emotions that have no, it seems like, you know, all of the, pro, you know, the, the hard drive of our <laughs> computer system is the brain. 
um they're certainly the nervous system and the you know like there's but that kind of knowing this is love that it feels like when my, you know when your heart is like open and expansive and warm and connected and all of those things that we want to call love it's the mind that's saying like this is fucking this is love and this is what it feels like in the body and the center channel uh or um so i mean ultimately i don't know the answer to this in the um buddhist psychology there's you know it starts with the abhidhamma starts the, the first one is the mind is the forerunner of all things just as a um cart follows a, a horse um you know a mind that thinks with positive loving you know uh you know will kind of lead to these and a mind that uh you know thinks with negative harmful things you know will kind of get stuck in these ruts so it is it is that the mind but the one of the words that's used is for for mind is chitta and chitta is a little bit it's less the human brain it's more awareness and the body has chitta uh and the then what we call the heart the emotional center is chitta the, the brain also is chitta uh and i'm told and I've, i thought that was really interesting when i heard it that sometimes Asian Buddhist teachers will point to their head and use the term heart and will say, you know, my heart is quite uh, exalted today. Or likewise, um, hand on their chest and say, you know, my mind is quite sad. And the, the kind of brain heart isn't such a duality in some of the eastern thinking that maybe we have it in some of our western thinking um that they're interconnected the chitta is the heart and the mind the heart mind maybe take one online and then see well save george for last derek go ahead um so I don't know if I may be getting too lost in this toss here, but um, I'm thinking about the metaphor you you're making with the uh, the train and the thoughts and the argument, for example. And I was thinking kind of an instant where it's maybe a wholesome thought, maybe instead of the argument, it's a forgiving moment or a loving moment. Um, I guess the thoughts on is it something we should be trying to get away from back to back to the present moment? Is it okay to ride the card if it's a good one or something along those lines so it's okay to get involved with your thoughts sometimes and take a ride and see where they go in strict vipassana which is the term for this kind of mindfulness the emphasis is put much more on the watching, you know, staying as present and watching the show more than getting very involved in the content of the show. Really trying to bring wisdom to the impermanent nature of the thoughts and the emotions and the arising and passing and the impersonal nature of things. This is what is thought, is taught, will lead to more liberation, to less identification, less suffering. That having been said, 
you know, we're complicated emotional beings. And so, you know, I intellectual and, uh, you know, we do need to think about things sometimes. And it's not like you're never going to get caught in some thoughts and indulge in some memories or some plans or, you know, kind of an analyzing or kind of some, you know, sometimes it's my sense is it's fine to um, indulge in the thought a little bit, but you don't want to waste all of your time in meditation thinking about shit. You want to do more uh, observing and investigating than being identified with the thought. That's my perspective. That's my practice. That's how most of my teachers have taught me. And most of how I've practiced is mostly being with without being too strict around like, we'll never get involved in your thoughts. Sometimes you get involved in your thoughts. No big deal. It's okay. That having been said, I have one colleague friend, Jason Siff, who's taught here and we've taught retreats together. And his perspective is like, actually just think about whatever you fucking want while you're meditating. <laughs> and just really just get interested in it, let the thoughts go. And, and with that sort of awareness of like, wow, look at, let's see how far this goes. Let's see how, where does this train go to? Um, and then when you're done meditating, uh, journal was his practice. He says, now journal, where did your mind go? Now reflect back, re re recollect all of the, you know, papancha proliferation of where your mind went and now journal about it and write down and see what you can learn from now reflecting on, I was in this resentment and then it went there and then it went there. And then I was in shame. And then I was in, you know, and, you know, and there's something useful to that. I don't want to dismiss it. It's not really my practice. It's not, how I've traditionally been taught mindfulness. It's not how I, um, but I, it's useful. I, you know, I believe that the way that Jason is teaching uh, many, some people here have done retreats with him, with me, where we do 10 day retreats and he's giving that instruction. I'm giving this instruction. Um, <laughs> I think it's useful to try different techniques at times and to, you know, um, I don't want to say that my way is the right way, but you know, yes, I have my perspective and there's other perspectives. George, last one. Welcome. I think I figured it out. Oh, right. <laughs> this is the mind liberated. I was perplexed by aversion to pleasure, but then I just kind of went to some examples. Yeah. Not that common. And maybe like aversion to pleasure isn't even... Um, Sometimes it's like aversion to things that other people would think is pleasure. Like those of us that have a hard time taking a compliment or having a hard time being someone being really kind and loving to you where it's like, well, that's supposed to be pleasant, but I find it so cringy. <laughs> and also ple pleasure is, um, you know, uh, like the hot tub is a good example of so pleasant when you get in. But then there's that line and it's the same sensation, but if it sustains for too long, it's no longer pleasant. Like, thank God orgasms are impermanent. <laughs> Imagine a sustained organ orgasm where like you just couldn't stop coming. <laughs> Everybody loves the orgasm, but if it didn't stop, if it wasn't a temporary pleasure, it's like, you gotta go to the hospital. <laughs> you're fucked and dehydrated okay um 
Class is over. <laughs> Couple of announcements. Uh, weekend retreat, May 15th. I keep forgetting, 12th? 10, 11, 12. Cat's coming. Uh, here in Los Angeles on the east side at Echo Park late at the, the Presbyterian Retreat Center right in the middle of Los Angeles. Uh, I think it's about half full. There's uh, maybe 10 spots left. Is that about right? So if you're planning to come, um, register soon. Come to the weekend retreat in May 10, 11, 12. I also have a day-long retreat, April 6th, where we'll do uh, sitting and walking meditation with these kind of instructions from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. here. And you can also register to do that at home, do that on Zoom. It's up, I believe. Yep. Both May, April and May are up. And I'm still working on a seven day retreat for October. And I'm working on um, getting the India pilgrimage that's going to happen November 13th through 24th or 25th. Um, getting that posted, getting really close to getting that posted in November. So I think the November, the India trip, we're actually going to do through refuge recovery instead of against the stream. Everyone's welcome. But since last year I did the um, Thailand trip through against, I, I, I'm trying to support these two nonprofits, refuge recovery and against the stream. So I think I'm going to do the um, India trip through refuge this, this year. And you're all invited. Even if you don't come to refuge, you're still invited to come on this trip. What else? Oh, <laughs> One of the ways. So uh, class is done by donation. Uh, thank you in advance for your generosity. Please be as generous as you can. We do have a lot of expenses. Um, if you're you know, tuning in, if you can do 25, if you can make a $25 donation when you come for a drop in, please do. Um, if you don't, if you can't afford that and you need to give less, give whatever feels good to you. The donation part of this should be part of your practice, part of something that you feel good about giving. Give whatever feels good to you. Uh, maybe become a, a monthly supporter. Think about supporting against the stream where you just say, I want to give $50 a month or $100 a month. And then it's not about fee for service. You're just supporting the organization. Or one of the nice way to support us is by buying some of our merch. And at home, you can buy merch through the website. And we, we, my mom, who's at class every week, mails it to you. Or here in person, you can um, buy a T-shirt or a sweatshirt. And the proceeds from that support the organization. So not only to get a cool new hoodie or T-shirt, you support the nonprofit. So thank you in advance for that. I think that's it. May any goodness that comes from our practice be shared with each other. May we all get as free as possible. And may it be offered outward in all directions, shared with all living beings. May we all get liberated for the benefit of all beings. And may any goodness that comes be shared with everyone everywhere. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. Next week, we'll start uh, investigating the fourth foundation of mindfulness. And I think it'll probably take two or three weeks to go through that.
Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.